Well, hello there and good morning and welcome to another edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Melvin Gaines. We appreciate you being here. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get started with music uh, because that's important. And just a heads up, I was not able to do a test on this music beforehand. Um, so we're going to let you know if it, if it goes dark, uh, you will just jump back on with us just in case. Chicago Mass Choir, uh, it is O Taste and See. And we're going to go ahead and play the music, and we appreciate you being here, and we're going to allow others to jump on with us. Good morning, Roscoe. Thanks for being here. Here comes the Chicago Mass Choir. Nice and loud, too. <laughs> Clorinda, good morning. Chicago Mass Choir. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Amen. Barbie Mansfield, good morning. Just a brief reminder, if um, this song doesn't pass muster, uh, according to Facebook standards, just jump back on with us if we go dark. Ronnie, good morning. Chicago Mass Choir, Old Taste and Sea. Hey, Greg, good morning. Amen. Amen, amen. It's almost time for Sunday school. Good morning. Thanks for being here. Mia Brooks Greenberg. E-M-A. That's the first thing. Yeah, just so you know, I can see things that my, my lovely bride here can't see. So if I repeat your name a couple times, she's just asking to make sure I spell your name properly. <laughs> Good morning, Bev. Yep. I like to try to spell names properly around here if you can. I like to spell names right there. Yeah. Angie, good morning. everybody got their coffee. Coffee at the very least. You also need your Bibles and electronic devices. I think we're okay on this one. Nate and Marnell, good morning. West Coast, or at least Pacific time zone anyway. West Coast. 
Amen. He is good. Morning, Arlen. Amen. Tell your neighbor. Let your neighbor know you follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Words and music by Percy Gray Jr. Lead vocal, Percy Gray Jr. Chicago Mass Choir. This is the Project Praise Live in Atlanta. Available on CDs and DVD and all that. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for that. And we're going to make sure that doesn't start up again. Amen. We appreciate you being here this morning. And we appreciate uh, the praise team, the, the segment that provides music for us on Sunday mornings. That's become kind of a, a tradition now that we've been doing it for a couple of, almost a couple of years now, actually. It's been a couple of years. That's right. So we appreciate very much that uh, keeping that going because it's a good thing to do. It's a good thing to get started with uh, uh, music of praise and worship while we uh, hear uh, information that's going to be helpful for us, I think, just from a, today from a historical standpoint, looking at what we're studying today. We're going to be in part two of the study of the church fathers, but let me cover some announcements here before we get uh, going with today's uh, lesson. The First of all, the um, message online today is uh, coming from, from me, uh, yours truly. I'm going to be doing a message. Uh, it's related to the Maturity in Christ series. series. It's kind of following a previous message that I went, but it's now going to be focusing specifically on prayer. The message entitled is titled Prayer with Focus. We all as believers want to mature in our faith. Amen. We want to mature and grow. We are. There's no way that someone who's been in the, in the faith for five, ten years is still taking only milk, right? We should be taking solid food. And, and that's the premise for uh, learning more about Jesus. But prayer has to be an uh, important element of that growth and maturity in Christ. So we'll discuss that today. That will be available online after Sunday school here on the Akron Alliance Fellowship Facebook page. And for those of you in Akron who are going to church today, uh, I will be presenting that message live as well, too. So we will make sure that our, our Sunday school lesson is uh, nice and brief so that we can get down to Akron, <laughs> barring any, any weirdness, right? So that will be today. Uh, again, it's going to be following the – it will be online here for those of you who are not able to come to church we want to have the complete church experience for you available every single Sunday. Please remember your tithes and offerings. We really appreciate you doing that, only because we still have a church to run. And we are, while things are getting more and more back to normal, we still require or, or need, I should say, we need your assistance to make sure that we're getting uh, what's necessary to take care of our church facility. Uh, it is uh, much appreciated. All the contributions that were made up until now for things like the the roof and for the new floor, which we really desperately needed. We really appreciate that very much. For those of you who are mailing your tithes and offerings, please mail them to Akron Alliance Fellowship, Akron Alliance Fellowship Church, 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. We appreciate you doing that very much, and we appreciate all those who are stepping up because we have a church family, and we also have an extended church family who joins us here specifically online, which uh, we appreciate very much. 
and we appreciate your joining us. But we also appreciate if you don't have a church home or if you don't have a church family, you're always welcome to join us here. We, we welcome you. We would love to have you. And because we're going to try to give you what we can to make sure that we're proclaiming the word of God. That's the most important thing that we can do. Be in the word. We don't want to just uh, do anything that slights the word of God. We want to always make sure that God gets the glory and he is the one who is the one speaking to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. For those of us who know about Jesus as a personal Lord and Savior, you know that the Holy Spirit is the one who helps impart the wisdom and knowledge to us. Uh, and that's what we need to hear. Amen. So with that in mind, we're going to go ahead and get into the uh, continuation of our Sola Scriptura, Sola Scriptura uh, a study, a survey of biblical inerrancy, and we're continuing. This material is still being uh, adapted from Biblical Inerrancy, the Historical Evidence by Norman Geisler. Uh, it is a book you can get for free. Uh, it's, a, it's available on the Internet if you want to get that as a PDF. But we're going to talk about two more church fathers today just to keep the material uh, not too heavy uh, at any one given sitting. But, but we want to see some things here that are really, really important for us to recognize. First of all, a couple of these church fathers we're going to talk about are not that far removed from uh, John, the last disciple. We're talking about within the last hundred years or so uh, of his life. And so they would have evidence of the... Uh, the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ through the teachings of the disciples, the movement of the church. And two other things to point out here that I want to make sure that you understand and know too. One of them is that there was a huge effort uh, of heretical teachings at the time. You, know, you have to understand that that's what Satan wanted. He did not want the church to get off on the right foot. He did not want the church to continue. So there were many, many people who were practicing heresy where they would take they would take teachings that uh were indeed true and bend them and shape them to fit their own way of thinking just to get attention or to try to say basically that they had a greater influence uh because you know this is the here and now and here this is what i'm this is what i'm declaring that the lord wants me to declare a lot of heresy was taking place at that time and it was up to the church fathers to pan this church heresy and make sure that it was addressed. Because if you don't do that, guess what? It just runs rampant. And the other thing that was taking place, too, that you also have to understand that uh, Satan was also orchestrating was the huge persecution that was taking place at that time. Uh, you have to remember that a lot of this, the churches here that were getting started initially, a lot of them were in the Roman Empire. And there was huge opposition to uh, these teachings and there was a lot of persecution where people were literally chased out of their their lands and, and pursued, frankly, and were martyred. And there's a, a evidence or the, from people who can tell that even the two people that I'll be discussing today, they too eventually were probably martyred as well, too. But yet they were able to capture some very important writings. And here's something that's really important for us to see here. In spite of this opposition, these heretical teachings, and in spite of this persecution, much like the disciples when Jesus gave them full knowledge of the scriptures and empowered them with the Holy Spirit, they were virtually unstoppable. They were able to write. They didn't care if they would be eventually martyred. They just wanted to go ahead and proclaim the truth about Jesus Christ. And they wanted to make sure that they emphasized the purposes of Christ 
biblical inerrancy, and that's exactly what took place. And so I wanted to make sure that that was made very clear here. These people moved without fear of their own lives. They just did what they needed to do. And may we have that same attitude. May we have that same philosophy. No one can do anything more. They can kill the body, but they can't kill the soul. They can't. Your souls are protected under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He has promised that to us. And I believe that these writers, these people who were uh, these church fathers, these people who came before us, believe the very same thing. And they believed it in uh, tenfold. They just wanted to do what, they were necessary, what was necessary to make sure that the truth was being proclaimed and that the Bible was indeed true, that the words were true. So I want to make sure that that's conveyed as well, too. Good morning, Laura. Good morning, Cindy. Thanks for being here today. We're going to go ahead and get started with a word of prayer. And again, there won't be a whole lot of scriptures in here today, but I will, I will add some, uh, and we will be looking at some, but I just want to make sure it's clear uh, in this session that uh, these church fathers, they took a stance, took a stand for God, and stayed firm, remained steadfast in their teachings. And they did so, um, frankly, eagerly as to what we want to see here. So let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer. We'll get started. Father, we just thank you again for how you're going to show us through the power of the Holy Spirit about the teachings of these church fathers, how they indeed relied upon you. They were indeed dedicated to you. They were indeed um, emboldened by you to proclare, uh, declare excuse me, the truth. That's what's much, much more important than anything, declaring the truth. We thank you for the teachings. We thank you for their writings. We thank you for the scriptural foundation within these writings that took place. Bless us, Lord. Help us to have greater understanding. And we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, everybody. Turn your Bibles and electronic devices to Psalm 119. We're going to look at a couple of passages before we get started looking at these church fathers, just to emphasize some things about what we need to understand about Scripture. Biblical inerrancy means that the words that we read, the words that we study, are God's true words that he is conveying to us. In spite of the time frame that's passed by, in spite of what we're looking at over the years, how many people rejected Scripture and rejected the Bible, many of them tried to burn the Bible when the time came, uh, that's at a future uh, study. We're not there yet because we're still talking about parchment and, and writings of that sort before we got all the scriptures together into one place. Um, uh, the Old and New Testament is what I was getting at here. Uh, the, old, the old law has always been there, but we want to also go beyond that now because this is after Jesus' time. And there were writings that took place by the, the, some of the disciples. So Psalm 119, verse 160. I want to convey this truth first. The sum of your word is truth. The sum of your word. When you add it all up, just like in a, a, an addition problem, the sum of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous ordinances is everlasting. This is an everlasting truth that we are studying. This is not just some f uh, flash in the pan uh, fad that we're involved in. This is a teaching that is everlasting God has declared that through his son, Jesus Christ, that his word is everlasting. And every bit of that word is going to be fulfilled. 
Whatever hasn't been fulfilled yet, it will be fulfilled, and it's going to happen. And so we need to understand that. And these church fathers had the responsibility to make sure that this word was indeed conveyed, that people were referred back to the word based upon what they wrote down and their writings. And they did so in spite of a lot of persecution that was all around them, a lot of uh, heresy, heretical teachings that were around them. They were the ones that were powerful in conveying the truth. And that's why the church is still here today, everybody. You have to understand something. God is the one who made sure that these things were put out for the purposes of his church still existing today. Um, Let's look at another passage very quickly. Proverbs 30, verse 5. Proverbs 30, verse 5. And Jackie, uh, triple cup of coffee? I hear you. Proverbs 30. (laughs) Uh, I hope you enjoy your day today. Proverbs 30, verse 5. Amen. The Lord is the Sabbath. Amen. Jesus is the Sabbath. Recognizing Jesus any day and every day of the week is always is always what's most important. Kimberly, good morning. Proverbs 30, verse 5. Every word of God is tested. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Every word of God is tested. Test the Lord. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Isn't that's the whole premise of the song that we just heard earlier. Um, he is a shield to those who take refuge in him. He is our protection. He is our shield. He gives us the shield through what? Um, basically, I'm sure we have this, you know, as far as the faith, what faith is, the, the armor of faith, putting on the armor of God. He is the shield for us, for those who take refuge in him. And remember, it's not about a shield of protection that would eliminate these people who we're writing about or talking about here today from being eventually mar- persecuted and martyred. They recognize that Jesus had them in his hands, and uh, and that's what we have to recognize here as well, too. Is there not persecution today in the world? There certainly is. There's a lot of persecution, and so we recognize that we need to just have the firmness of faith, and that's what maturity represents. When we're mature in, pa- in faith, We're not worried about what happens to us. We're not worried about what takes place in the future. We're only concerned about making sure that we're honoring the Lord Jesus Christ. We're making sure that we're doing what we can to honor him. Okay. So I hope you understand the premise of what we're getting at here today. And I want to make sure that we get to a couple of these church fathers now. The first one is Arrhenius. Arrhenius. It's spelled I-R-E-N-A-E-U-S uh, for those who are I-R-E-N-A-E-U-S. Uh, he's Saint Irenaeus, is what he's referred to, of Lyons. And he was made a saint uh, because he was indeed martyred eventually. He was around in the 2nd century A.D. Now, keep in mind, the 2nd century, that's in the 200 A.D. approximately uh, in, that, in that time frame. Not long after John, and, and these individuals may have known John, may have connected with John, may have certainly had seen his writings. And what we're going to focus on again in looking at uh, this particular study is, is looking at who these people were and talking about where Scripture came from, what the nature of Scripture was, the historical uh, uh, factors that they were referring to in Scripture. So Irenaeus, he was, uh, according to the... GodQuestions.org, everybody, is a great source. If you want to look up anything or anybody, they usually have something for that. 
um, AD 130 to 202. That's approximately, uh, that was his approximate uh, uh, time of life. He was the Bishop of Lugdunum in Gaul, which is in modern Lyons, France. So he was in France. He was a staunch opponent of heresy and an influential, influential witness concerning the development of the biblical canon. In other words, the Bible that we see today, he was uh, a person who was very, uh, very much uh, profoundly involved in the preparation for that and the development of it. Now, we don't know a whole lot about his life. Uh, we do know that he was from Smyrna in Asia Minor, and he was a student of Polycarp. Now, we, Polycarp is, uh, was a disciple of the Apostle John. Polycarp actually came directly from John. So you see the connection. And in fact, he moved to Rome and studied under Justin Martyr, who we talked about last week. So you see the connection that God is showing us from all these many, uh, many giants. I, I'm going to call them giants of faith because these are the ones that stood out as far as the church fathers. And they studied, and they and they had the direct teachings involved with John. So um, at the time, around 177, the year 177 A.D., uh, the Roman emperor, Marcus Aurelius, started ordering a violent persecution of Christians in France. Um, Rome, The Roman Empire stretched all over the place, and, and he was also talking about now going into France and doing this, uh, doing these deeds of persecution. Um, they're not good deeds. They're bad deeds. But Arrhenius escaped it because he was on a journey to Rome at the time. And he had returned to France after the persecution subsided. And he was made Bishop of Lyons in 178, who probably was replaced because the previous bishop was persecuted and killed. So he has some very interesting writings. His writings were fragments of many works, but two major works survive intact. Uh, one is called Against Heresies, and the other one is called The Proof of Apostolic Preaching. And so these things are essentially where the one Against Heresies was a treatise against Marcionism and Gnosticism, and especially Valentinianism a particular form of Gnosticism that was popular in Lyons. There was a lot of Gnostic teaching. And this was essentially, to, to summarize what Gnostic teachings were, they were false teachings. They were essentially used as a way to divert away from what Scripture was saying and more for, follow the philosophies of those who were involved. And by using those different names, these are different people who were involved with this heretical teaching. I would ask that you just spend some time and do some research on those things, but uh, just to keep moving on the text here and make sure that we're going forward, let's look at what some of the things that he said in his writings. First of all, the words of God. He made the declaration about the origin of Scripture. He said, uh, Arrhenius said, the Scriptures are indeed perfect since they were the spoken, they were spoken by the Word of God. This is what he conveyed in his writings. And this was in Against Heresies um, in, uh, in the section of the book. The words from God, I shall plainly set forth from these divine scriptures proofs to satisfy all lovers of truth. How about that? Satisfy all lovers of truth. If you love truth, you need to be in the word. If you love what God is saying, you need to be reading his word. And I'm just going to throw in there that this should be a daily lifestyle for every, every one of us. Now, I'm very pragmatic. I recognize that there are going to be days 
you don't get to the Word every day, that you don't get involved with reading the Word every day because things happen. However, let it be a practice on our hearts and minds to be in the Word every day. Let it be this practice. This is part of our maturity. You have to understand something. Uh, Satan doesn't want you in the Word every day. Satan doesn't want you exposing yourself to truth. Satan doesn't want you to be armed with the truth. And so that's why it's important for us to go back and even look at what these church fathers said. The word is perfect. These truths are being conveyed. And if you're in the word, you love truth. And that's something that you have to make sure that there is an emphasis uh, on who, uh, who Jesus is by just studying the word. Irenaeus also talked about the nature of scripture, the foundation of faith. The scriptures are the ground and pillar of our faith. Amen and amen. The ground and pillar. What does that sound like? The foundation. Jesus is our firm foundation. That's exactly what he is saying here in this writing of his. This is also in the text against heresies that he wrote. The word is infallible. Let us revert to the scriptural proof furnished by those apostles who did also write the gospel. The writings of these apostles, being the disciples of truth, are above all falsehood. What a powerful statement. Everything is truth. There's nothing false in the scriptures that we read. That's why we need to be in this word every day. We're surrounded by all kinds of different teachings that are not Uh, allowing those individuals who listen to those teachings to truly follow the Lord Jesus Christ. We, when we say that there's nothing new under the sun, that's what scripture says. Uh, I believe that's in Solomon, uh, Solomon's writings in Ecclesiastes. Nothing new under the sun. What he's referring to this nothing new under the sun is that the same things that were happening back at that time when in A.D. 177 or A.D. 200, whatever these writings are taking place, these same things are taking place today. There's nothing different. We, these experiences that we, we have to have people writing all the time to do what? To fight against heretical teachings. We have to have people who are writing all the time to do what? To, to help embolden those individuals who are facing persecution. These are things that are taking place today. This, this is nothing new. There is nothing new under the sun. And we need to rec- recognize that. Now here, uh, Arrhenius also uh, makes... A, a number of accusations against the heretics of his day. Heretics adduce an unspeakable number of apocryphal and spurious writings which they themselves have forged to bewilder minds of foolish men and of such are ignorant of the scriptures of truth. Hey, he's just telling it like it is. Folks sat down and started writing stuff based upon what they felt would attract attention and what they felt would do to bewilder people who were weak in their faith. Bewilder them. And we need to understand that. We need to recognize that for what it is. And, and that's what we have to always take into account. The other thing that he wrote here is that we should leave the things of that nature to God who created us, being most properly assured that the scriptures are indeed perfect since they were spoken by the word of God and his spirit. Um, Great writings. This is a great teaching by Arrhenius. He's speaking truth. He's speaking the truth about what the word is. 
And he also wrote uh, very quickly uh, on a historical nature of Scripture. Uh, this is Arrhenius also writing as well, too. And this is from the fragments of the lost writings of Arrhenius. Uh, he, as in Jesus Christ, suffered who can lead those souls aloft that followed his ascension. This event was also an indication of the fact that when the holy hour of Christ descended to Hades, many souls ascended and were seen in their bodies. Now, this is a writing that is based upon the teaching, uh, teachings of what happened to Jesus when he died on the cross and what was taking place. And there is belief, and even back then it's even written here, that he went to those places in Hades where those were not the ones who were in uh, persecution, not being the ones persecuted, but the ones who were just waiting for the return of Jesus Christ. And he went and brought those souls, and they were ascended and seen in their bodies. And let's not forget, too, even at the time when Jesus did die on the cross, there was one writing, forgive me, I don't remember where it is exactly, in what, where, what book it's in, but there were many people who were seen who supposedly were dead and that they had risen and reappeared. And this was right at the time uh, when Jesus uh, died on the cross. And, I, and that, perhaps that's exactly what uh, Arrhenius, I can't, I can't put my finger on it, but that's exactly what he was referring to, but that it was the teaching at the time that there were many people who were indeed had returned from the dead and had arisen in, in their own bodies and were visible to the people. And it's like, where did you come from? And, 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 and in fact, it was because of what Jesus had done. And so that's what we need to see here. I need to do some more research on that because that's a fascinating topic. We hadn't thought about that, and I had forgotten about that before. But that is something that Jesus did uh, to show and demonstrate he indeed had the ultimate power over our lives, our souls, Matthew. That he could do those things. Is it Matthew? Matthew twenty-seven fifty-one. Matthew twenty-fifty-three. Turn to Matthew twenty-seven. Thank you. Turn to Matthew. I know I had seen it. I just don't didn't remember where. And that's going to be the challenge for me, as in maturity too. Uh, Matthew twenty-seven fifty-one. Fifty-one and fifty-two. Okay, and so. This is literally right after Jesus had died on the cross. He had, had said in verse 50 that he had cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Matthew 27, 51. Two and three. Two and three. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. By the way, this is the only account in the Gospels of this. That I can tell you. From top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. Verse 52. The tombs were also were opened. And many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Arrhenius must be referring to this passage to come back and make the statement that he did um, about the, the gospel according to Matthew. That's what he was referring to. That's exactly what he was referring to. He was referring to the how the fact that he was looking at how these people had been raised and so the other thing to look at here too as well it says the gospel according to matthew was written to the jews for they had particular stress upon the fact that christ should be the seed of david matthew also who had still had a still greater desire to establish this point took particular pains to afford them convincing proof that christ is the seed of david amen and amen convincing proof and so this evidence where he is presenting it is showing 
that indeed scripture is truth and we want to make sure that it's emphasized that these things that happened were accounts that were made based upon what truly happened what truly happened when Christ uh, died on the cross these things took place and it's very interesting to see that he went through great pains to make sure that people recognize the historical implications of scripture and that it indeed was true okay moving along because we're running short of time and I've got so much to, well, I, I'm going to go through a little bit more, so uh, no worries on that. We're, we're still doing okay time-wise. But I want to look at Tertullian. Tertullian is uh, not going to take quite as long, uh, but he is in, indeed, he was alive from the years of 160 to 220 A.D. Tertullian. And Tertullian is known in church history, for those of you who are church historians, as the father of Latin theology, as he was the first church leader to write his works in Latin. Most of his writing was in defense of Christianity against persecution from without or heresy from within. He had an enormous influence on the early church, and much of that influence can be seen today. Um, Tertullian was an ordained as a presbyter in the church of Carthage, North Africa, and he began writing books addressing the issues facing the church of the day. He was profoundly affected by the testimonies of Christians who were martyred in the arena, and it is likely that his conversion was a result. Now, he is, is pointed out that he did not start out as a great theologian from an early age. He, he was one who was caught up in all the decadence of the day as well, too, but he did not like uh, to see the testimonies, uh, those testimonies, he did not, not like to see the results. He did enjoy going to these places where these games in the arena where people were being martyred uh, because of their faith. And it moved him to become a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it did. So uh, we have to recognize that. He wrote uh, a response to heresy about the Godhead uh, against praxis, which for the first time used the word trinity to describe the Godhead. Concerning Father, Son, and Spirit, Tertullian said... These three are one substance, not one person. So you see how important uh, Tertullian was. His longest book, Against Marcion, defended the use of the Old Testament by the Christian church and demonstrated how to use the scriptures to refute heresies. Gnosticism was a major threat uh, to the church of his day, and Tertullian did more than anyone to overthrow the influence of the Gnostics. So let's look at what he wrote, because that's what's important for us to see here and recognizing how important he is. And again, not that far removed from John. And of course, he would have obviously been involved with the writings, uh, read the other people like Justin Martyr and Arrhenius and all those. He was definitely involved there and received influence from them. So let's look at what he says about the nature of Scripture. It's authoritative. And this is a very long section. I don't want to read too much of this, but I'm going to just read a part of it. In granting indulgence, he, as in Paul, alleges the advice of a prudent man in enjoining continence. He affirms the advice of the Holy Spirit. Follow the admonition which has divinity for its patron. It is true that believers likewise have the Spirit of God, but not all believers are apostles. When then he who called himself a believer added therefore that he had the spirit of God, which no one would doubt even in the case of an ordinary believer, his reasoning for saying so was that he might reassert 
for himself apostolic dignity. Apostles have the Holy Spirit properly, who have him fully in the operations of prophecy. And he mentions here about how the Holy Spirit gives that authority uh, for us to be able to speak on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ as well, too. He also talked about the divine nature of Scripture. We are divine. We are united. Excuse me. Divine Scripture has made us concorporate. The very letters are our glue. Concorporate with corporate within the corporate nature of Scripture. The very letters are our glue. They hold us together. The Word of God holds us together. He also writes about the harmonious nature of Scripture. From apostolic word descends the church, all filled to wash off filth and vivify. Amen. And Scripture is timeless, which is what we're emphasizing here too. No enunciation of the Holy Spirit ought to be confined to the subject immediately in hand merely and not applied and carried out with a view to every occasion to which its application is useful. That's a text written from on the apparel of women. Okay, He wrote about a lot of different subjects, and you can see how important he was. Um, he, they, people tried to blame him for the errors of the Roman Catholic Church, but his teachings stand against those errors, so they can't blame him for that if he didn't write about those issues about changing something. He laid down the principle um, that custom without truth is only time-honored error. Amen. That's exactly who um, Tertullian was. And so he, in fact, uh, mentioned also one of the early church fathers who had advocated celibacy as a correct interpretation, interpretation of 1 Corinthians 7. Um, oh, let me, let me point this out too. Regarding baptism, something that this is very important for us to remember here. Tertullian firmly taught against baptizing children because they weren't old enough to repent and believe. And what takes place today in some of the cat? We have this baptism of children, but they have no knowledge of what is even taking place. He didn't advocate that. He also uh, did not advocate... Um, he did advocate celibacy as the correct ter- interpretation of 1 Corinthians 7, he himself got married. Um, he recognized that he wanted to be married himself too. But if you want to be involved, if you don't want to be involved with the Lord, and this is something that Paul, you know, there's a lot of teachings in the disciples as well too. Um, it, it's better not to marry if you don't if you don't get, want to get married. That's fine. But if you do marry, go ahead and do so because better to marry than to burn. Amen. Burn um, with lust or anything like that. So we have to understand that. A lot of these writings that take place, you have to understand there's always going to be a struggle. There's always going to be a battle with people when it comes to uh, understanding exactly what was meant and what was interpreted. But all you have to do is just go back to their writings you can see for yourself. And some people, frankly, just made a decision, I think, at the end of the day to say, nope, we're going to do it a certain way. We're going to do it this way. And, and that's something that we have to look at. So those are the ones I wanted to cover today, the um, Irenaeus and Tertullian. We will do some more of this in a future class, and we'll look at these more. But what I want to look at here as we close out today are a couple of passages to make sure that we understand um, specifically about the things about these seeds. Um, It was very important to point out that uh, Jesus Christ was the seed of David, as we mentioned in one of Arrhenius' writings. 
Turn to Galatians 3.16, please. Galatians 3.16. And understand that this these promises that were being made to Abraham, let's look at what it says about the offspring. It says in Galatians 3.16, Now the promises were spoken that were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ, Jesus Christ, um, the lineage of Christ. We need to make sure we understand that uh, Abraham was being pointed directly to Jesus Christ at some point in the future. We, we have to recognize that as well, too. Uh, we weren't privy to every conversation that, that Abraham had with God, but he was indeed referred to uh, that Jesus would be the one who would follow in the lineage. And we need to see that and understand that, and that's what's being written here in the book of Galatians. One more passage I want to look at as well, too. Very important to emphasize that these church fathers were highly conscious of making sure that truth was being conveyed to the people, that their writings were conveying this truth and, and making a, a mention of this truth as well, too. Go to Proverbs 30, verses 5 and 6. Proverbs 30, verses 5 and 6. And ultimately, when people were, when, when these writers were addressing heresy, when they were addressing this Gnosticism or these teachings that were taking place. And I'm going to ask for you guys, to, if you want to look up Gnosticism, uh, please do so. G-N-O-S-T-I-C-I-S-M. I think I spelled that correctly on the fly there. Gnosticism. Um, look that up because it's essentially it's a teaching that is outside of, of Scripture. Um, it was being held by the, the natives, the locals there. Uh, it, it was more philosophically based teaching that's going to be the problem with some of the things that we look at with uh, who of origin o-r-i-g-e-n that's the person we'll look at in a future uh class about his teachings as well too they were more philosophically based than they were about um following uh what christ would have you to follow proverbs 30 verses 5 and 6 every word of god is tested he is a shield to those who take refuge in him do not add to his words or he will reprove you, and you will be proved a liar. Amen. And that's a very strong statement, isn't it? Don't add to his words. Don't put more into what the word says. Now, that all I can say to you is that ultimately we have to, there's always this desire by people who have the responsibility to convey the word to make sure that they stay truthful with the word. Um, my lovely bride just put up Gnosticism in the, in the uh, text. I appreciate that. Thank you for doing that. Um, but it's important for you to understand what these church fathers were dealing with at the time. Uh, this is the stuff that was being uh, proclaimed all throughout uh, the times that they were living in. And it didn't go away right away. It, it had to be beaten back, basically. But what the word says is that you don't add to the words or he will reprove you. He being the Lord. You'll be proved a liar. Understand something. Um, God's going to stand by his word. He is not going to allow people to take his word and forgive the word, bastardize it, change it, move it around. Do, I, I question people who have been saying in their studies, in their writings, uh, personally, in, in modern times, that 
the God's word was altered so severely to proclaim a teaching that was untrue. And I just don't buy it. I won't buy it. Uh, I'll never buy that. I think that ultimately God's word has remained true throughout the years. And anybody who says differently, I believe, is a false teacher, a false prophet, for that matter, and has led many, many people astray. And they are going to receive a reward they're not going to want when that takes place. So when we say there's nothing new under the sun, that means even today we have people who are proclaiming falsehoods about God's word and proclaiming that God's word in its present state is not true. I categorically uh, denounce anyone who says that because they are, in fact, denying the power of God himself, that he will see to it that his word is preserved and kept true. And so that's why I have been pretty adamant and pretty vehement about that. And why we need to study these church fathers is because we need to recognize that the same stuff that they were dealing with back then, um, the persecution, the heretical teachings, is the same stuff that we deal with today in 2022. There's no question about it. And amen. That's what's happening. We, we have to uh, understand that. Uh, Marquette, I do see your, your texts and your information about what's happening. Let me, let me just share with you something that's very true today. We have a lot of people out there who are controlled by demonic influence. And it's those types of individuals that we're referring to. They are the ones who are going to perform these atrocities that we are aware of, that we're seeing, that we're looking at. We are in spiritual warfare unlike any other time that I've ever seen and I suppose we've always been in it but I think we need to understand that a lot of the people that we are observing and 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 looking at uh, when it comes to life choices things that they wind up doing the atrocities that are taking place uh, you're always you should always be wary of people who abuse animals because we know that they're just one step away from abusing people and we have to recognize that that's a, that is a pathological uh, thing that's taking place. It is about demonic influence. Um, it can be demonic possession as well, too. Recognize that for what it truly is. We are in a battle of spiritual warfare, warfare. All the more reason for us to stay strong in our faith. Pray daily. Pray without ceasing. Stay in the word stay strong we must mature in our faith if we're not mature in our faith we're not going to be able to withstand any of this stuff that's taking place we're going to be the ones who are going to struggle the most because we're not mature in our faith so i say that as a good way to close out today we have to recognize that these church fathers they had to be the guiding lights for the early church to get people to stay in the word stay in the faith stay in the presence of god's truth and without these church fathers, we wouldn't have a church. We, we have to believe that God had ordained these individuals to be able to communicate this information to us. And we need to see how important it was for them to not just write about truth, but fight off the falsehoods. Fight off this spiritual warfare battle that's taking place. So may we see those things and may we see them readily and recognize them for what they truly are. God is at work within you. Don't disappoint him by letting these things go we must stay strong in the faith stay focused on him stay in the truth stay focused in prayer with him let's pray
Father, thank you for your teachings and thank you for your understanding about where we are today and how you want us to just get better and better. We thank you for the teachings of the church fathers. We thank you for the teachings that they indeed stood by your word, stood for truth. And Lord, they fought against those heretical teachings of the day that were only put in place to undermine those who wanted to convey the truth. Lord, may we stand on your word and convey truth to all who want to hear it. May we live in such a way where we honor and glorify you in what we are doing. We thank you for these truths. We thank you for the body of Christ to enforce or to reinforce these things in support of each other. We thank you for the sword and the shield. We thank you for putting on that armor of God so that we can withstand, frankly, the temptation, the fiery arrows of the devil. We need that protection. We need you to provide that protection for us. Bless us and keep us, O Lord. We give you thanks. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. God bless you all. Stay strong in the faith. We have a call that God gives to us to make sure that we are proclaiming the gospel to all who want to hear it. We have to do it not just in deeds but in words. Stay strong in the faith. God bless you all. Take care of yourselves. And uh, for those of you in Akron, I'll see you in a little bit. I'm heading down now. Save us a spot. And save us a spot. Amen? (laughs) That's right. And we'll see you next time. Thanks.